Hi, and welcome to this special edition of Talk with Aaron Stock. Today I'm going to discuss something that is deeply personal, something that recently occurred in my family's lives that has changed our life forever, and something that we could have never imagined. While this tragedy is still very raw, I hope that the takeaway from today is the fact that sometimes, through the darkest of days and the worst experiences, can come purpose and meaning beyond our belief. I am going to do my best to try to keep my emotions at bay while trying to explain why I still believe in the power of education. At the beginning of this summer, my husband and I planned a trip to Idaho. We wanted to drive from California to Idaho to visit my husband's parents to kind of push our limits and see how far we could drive with our two littles, my five-year-old and my two-year-old, and to take some time to just see this beautiful country. After spending several days in Idaho, we decided to go to the lake on a Sunday afternoon. As I was preparing to get my daughter ready to go back to the house with her grandparents, I reached in my bag to pull out the keys to the truck and saw that my brother was calling. We are kind of one of those families where we talk a lot, we communicate, but sometimes we don't always communicate to the best of in-person phone calls. So when my brother was calling, I picked up the phone and I immediately knew something was wrong. I could hear both my sister-in-law and my brother crying. I immediately got this most painful knot in my stomach as I tried to brace myself for some unbearable news. They were calling to let me know that my 16-year-old niece, Jaden, had taken a pill that was laced with fentanyl. Although there were very few details at that point, the shock of this news was extremely difficult to process. I began to cry uncontrollably as I tried to piece together the puzzle of the words that they were saying, but I just couldn't do it because it didn't make sense. Jaden was not an addict. We were not aware of any drug use prior to this accident, and it just came as a complete shock. My mother-in-law took me back to the house, and the next 48 hours now feel like a whirlwind. As far away as I was from my family at that time in Colorado, it felt like I was a million worlds away, and the only thing that I could think to do was to go home. Today, August 20th, would have been Jaden's 17th birthday. From the moment Jaden was born, she was a ball of energy. She was sassy, she was feisty, and she did not like to be told no. She could hold her own, she was independent, and she had very little patience. She was so strong-willed, but what I loved about Jaden was that even through that hard outer core, she had the sweetest, kindest, brightest heart, and it glowed through some of the most beautiful blue eyes I have ever seen. She loved to sing, she loved to dance. She gave the biggest hugs. And when she was excited to see you, she let you know. My brother shared four children with his ex-wife. The oldest is now 18. Jaden was 16. And then his two boys are 15 and 12. The year before each of the kids started kindergarten, my mom was able to bring each of them out on their own grandma and aunt Erin trip. As a military family, it's always difficult to not be close to our brothers and sisters, our parents, our grandparents, aunts, uncles, cousins, close friends. But it is especially difficult to not live near our nieces and nephews. So these trips that my mom was able to take are the most cherished memories that I have with my brother's kids. All of these children were born way before my kids. So when they came out, I had the energy, I had the resources, and I had the time to spend with them one-on-one. -on -one. And there is a little part of me that will always just see them as those little five-year-old kids riding a carousel, building in the sand, 
feeding ducks, and playing games in the yard. After these fun-filled trips were over, my crafty mom would make a memory book for each of the kids. On the second night that I was at my brother's house, I so desperately wanted to see the pictures from these trips, but my book that I had created was stashed away in a bin in my garage. The next morning, however, my youngest nephew came downstairs and believe it or not, was holding the book that her grandmother had made for her. My favorite memory from the trip quickly came back to me as I began to look through the photos and see Jaden and I running through the backyard, throwing snowballs at each other. And I had picked up this snowball to throw at Jaden, but the temperatures were not quite too cold. So it was when the snow had started to melt and turn a little bit into ice. And I should have known better, but I picked up the snow and I created a snowball and Jaden turned around at just the wrong time. I intended to throw the snowball at her back, but she turned around and it smacked her right in the cheek. And it left the biggest red mark for I don't even remember how long. And as usual with little kids, once that happens, the fun ends. Jaden was done playing. She didn't want to do anything else. So we went inside. We had cheese and crackers. We played the game cooties and everything was right again. Over the course of the past 11 years, my brother's children have spent time living between two different homes, which also, of course, brings two different parenting styles. At times, this sometimes works with families and others. It remains very difficult. As Jaden became a teenager, it was very apparent that she did not like boundaries. Tough love was something that she refused, but yet she still had her moments where she thoroughly enjoyed eating a family meal together, which included my brother's fettuccine Alfredo, eating steak, and playing games. Jaden enjoyed playing card games as long as they were quick and fast. If it was something that did not end really quickly, she had very little patience. But it kind of went along with how she was in life. Hit it fast, hit it hard, and then move on. Over this past 4th of July weekend, I took my husband and my kids back out to Colorado to spend some time with my parents, my sister, and my brother's family. We knew that my brother's oldest was just graduating from high school and they were going to have her graduation party. The weekend also included a celebration of my grandfather, who had turned 90 last year. But because of COVID, much like everybody else, the celebration was postponed until a year later. We knew it was important for us to get home because these were two very big family events. My husband and I also thoroughly love the 4th of July. We have great pride in this country, and we cannot pass up a great fireworks show, which is something my brother ensured we would have. We have never spent the weekend together as grown adults with my entire family in the same home. My brother's house was big enough, however, to house all of us. His four children, plus his daughter from his second marriage, who's just a month younger than my daughter. So his family, my family of four, my parents, and my sister, plus their two dogs. There was room, and there was room to get away, but I still had so much anxiety about how we were all going to get along. We spent the weekend talking, and by talking, I mean having real girl talk with my nieces, enjoying the weather outside, reminiscing, talking about how my parents had recently sold our childhood home and are building a brand new house for the first time ever. The excitement of life and our family and the graduation was something that I just could not have imagined. As we celebrated my grandfather's birthday, I was also able to see several aunts and uncles and cousins who I had not seen for many years. Although our time was short with them, it was fulfilling, memorable, and we all looked forward to our next visit. The night of the 4th of July, 
my brother and his neighborhood did not disappoint. We had the most amazing fireworks show where all of my nieces and nephews enjoyed lighting off fireworks themselves. Safety first, of course. We enjoyed meeting new people, my kids made new friends, and our visit could not have ended in a better way. The following morning, my brother and sister-in-law were driving my husband and I and our family to the airport, and I had this sinking feeling in my stomach that something was wrong. I really could not put my finger on it, but ever since I was a little girl, my mom and I have just shared this kind of sixth sense. We just kind of get this feeling in our stomach that something is going to happen. Sometimes it's good, but the majority of the time, it is not. I put it aside and I just figured it was nerves from getting on the plane and trying to make it back to California without screaming children, kids who were so hungry that the snacks that I just filled our backpack with wouldn't be enough, or that our flight would be delayed. We of course got home and over the weeks, the feeling faded. Never could I have ever thought that the feeling I was feeling was going to be the worst loss of my entire life. While we don't know all of the details of the night that my niece passed away, what I can tell you is that at some point on the evening of Saturday, July 24th, my 16-year-old niece decided to buy some pills with her boyfriend. It is believed that Jaden and her boyfriend were buying what they thought was Percocet or Oxycodone to help them sleep. Late into the evening, Jaden and her boyfriend split one of the pills and each took half. We believe that Jaden unknowingly took a pill that was laced with fentanyl. We have no idea if Jaden got the full dose that was in the pill, if it was laced with just a tiny amount, if her boyfriend actually ended up without any fentanyl, or if the dose that Jaden received was just enough to take her life. Whether pressured or making the decision on her own, Jaden ingested half of a pill laced with fentanyl and passed away at some point in the night. Jaden's boyfriend woke up the next morning to the realization that Jaden was gone. The details of exactly what happened are between him and Jaden. My family is not naive to the fact that Jaden ultimately chose to take the pill, and we are not naive to the fact that her boyfriend now has to live with this for the rest of his life, just like the rest of us. I like so many members of my family, had no idea about the fentanyl pandemic. And through all of this devastation, I have been very honest and upfront with people about the fact that this choice or these choices that Jaden had been making could have led to a lifetime of addiction. It could have also ultimately led to another point in time where drug abuse may have taken her life. But a part of me also wonders if Jaden's death could have been prevented if she had known a little bit more about the dangers and the results and consequences of the decisions that she was making. In the week that followed Jaden's death, there were so many decisions that had to be made. As I am sure most, if not all of you, have had to deal with death at some point in your life. The process of planning a funeral is not easy. Decisions have to be made quickly and they are not temporary. Everything has to be finalized within the first few days. Things can change over the course of the week, but everything has to move very quickly. There were a lot of distractions that were involved in the planning of Jaden's funeral. And while I will not get into the details of those, it did prevent us from beginning the grieving process. One thing that I can tell you for sure is that my faith has never been stronger. My husband and children were not able to make it out to the funeral, so I was there alone without my person. I had my sister, I had my parents, I had my sister-in-law, I had my brother, I had my youngest nephew and my youngest niece. And on occasion, I was able to talk to my other niece and nephew. But I was never truly alone. I leaned on the Lord for everything, for falling asleep at night, to getting out of bed, to helping supporting 
every person in my family. I leaned on the Lord for guidance, for motivation, for self-care, and mostly for prayer. On the night of Jaden's viewing, I had made the decision early on that I did not want to say goodbye to her. I did not want to see her laying in a casket knowing that it was just her body. My father, sister, and mother had also made the same decision. However, when my brother needed to take some flowers and some other items to the funeral home prior to the viewing, it gave him some time to be alone with his daughter. He had planned on saying goodbye, but could not do it alone. He asked my dad to go with him, and like any great father would, he stood by his son, and we sobbed together. As the evening went on, and more people came to Jaden's viewing, I sat and watched people come and go, people I had never seen before, people I had never met, and some that I did know. It is amazing in death that we learn whose lives we have touched. As I sat there, I kept refusing to look at the front of the chapel where Jaden was. I could see a slideshow and I could hear the music, but I just could not look at her. When the viewing was going to come to a close, I did ask my dad if he was actually grateful that he did say goodbye. My dad said he wasn't sure if it helped him, but it did make it real. All of the planning leading up to Jaden's services, I kept telling myself Jaden was just visiting her mom, but I would see her on the next visit. This is how some of our visits back to Colorado worked. Sometimes my brother's kids were there and sometimes they weren't, so it really did not feel real to me either. I decided that I needed that reality, so I stood at the back of the chapel, I took the deepest breath, and I started walking. My dad had told me that Jaden did not look like herself. This was something that I kept praying would be the same for me, that I would see her, but not really, that my brain would be convinced that yes, this is real, but to have no fear, because she was in the arms of Jesus, and she was happier than she had ever been before. My brother joined me, and we wept together, and I can tell you right now, with 100% certainty, after living with him for 10 days, I still cannot imagine his pain. Jaden's service was very simple. My dad worked his way through the eulogy. My brother shared his deep love of Jaden and some very memorable stories. Her mother spoke, and the pastor then gave a message of forgiveness. I think it is so imperative in the times of death that we really reflect on the person as an individual, not the choices that they made or the mistakes that came with their life or all of the things that sometimes can dim their light. I think it's so important to remember people, how we remember them and their relationship with us. Sometimes people pass away and they become a statistic. And I think that it's important to remember that we're not all numbers. We are individuals. We are people. We are human. And we all have a purpose. I had an aunt who passed away at the very young age of 38. She had battled breast cancer for a couple of years and left behind two young daughters and a loving husband. She could very easily be considered a statistic, a very young person to have passed away from breast cancer. But I choose to remember her as somebody who was beautiful, funny, witty, so witty, full of life, and someone who loved her family dearly. This past February, there was an NFL player named Vincent Jackson who passed away also at the age of 38. He was battling alcoholism, and it is believed that he was struggling with CTE, the brain damage that comes from multiple hits while playing football. There were a lot of things that were possibly going on in his personal life, and I could choose to remember him as an alcoholic or someone who was battling an incurable disease. But really, I remember Vince as a high school junior who sat behind me, diagonal from my seat, in AP Bio. He was funny, incredibly intelligent. In fact, he ended up being the valedictorian of his graduating class. I also remember him as the really tall football player I knew from high school as he held the door for me when I entered a gym at the college that we both attended. Jane to me is so easy. While some will consider her a statistic, she will forever be my firecracker niece who I knew could have a problem solved with something as easy as cheese and crackers. 
because I do see the value in education, I do want to provide you with some information on the drug fentanyl. As I mentioned, I had no idea how dependent and addictive this drug could be. I had no idea how easily accessible it is and how it is being put into nearly every illegal drug that is available. As with many deaths, people love to donate and they want to help in any way possible. We were starting to receive an abundance of food at my brother's house. And while we were so grateful and blessed that people wanted to take care of us, our tummies could only hold so much and the refrigerators were so overloaded. I sat down with my family and we discussed the idea of creating an organization in Jaden's name. We did not want to become just another family, creating a GoFundMe page where money would sit in a bank or it would be used for something other than the purpose of continuing on Jaden's legacy. But the only way to let people know of what we wanted to create was to go ahead and create a GoFundMe page in Jaden's name. On the GoFundMe page, we included some information about the drug fentanyl and some statistics regarding the drug. I wanted to go ahead and share some of these with you so that you know and are aware and can educate others on the dangers of this lethal drug. I usually would not sit and read an article. However, this information was a little too much for me to paraphrase, to summarize, or to just spew a bunch of facts at you. So if you would allow me, I would like to read you a little bit about the drug fentanyl from the U.S. Drug Enforcement Administration, also known as the DEA. Fentanyl is a synthetic opioid typically used to treat patients with chronic severe pain or severe pain following surgery. Fentanyl is a Schedule II controlled substance that is similar to morphine, but about 100 times more potent. Under the supervision of a licensed medical professional, fentanyl has a legitimate medical use. Patients prescribed fentanyl should be monitored for potential misuse or abuse. Illicit fentanyl, primarily manufactured in foreign clandestine labs, and smuggled into the United States through Mexico, is being distributed across the country and sold on the illegal drug market. Fentanyl is being mixed in with other illicit drugs to increase the potency of the drug, sold as powders and nasal sprays, and increasingly pressed into pills made to look like legitimate prescription opioids. This was what happened in Jaden's case. Because there is no official oversight or quality control, in other words, these are not rocket scientists making these drugs, these counterfeit pills often contain lethal doses of fentanyl with none of the promised drug. There is significant risk that illegal drugs have been intentionally contaminated with fentanyl. Because of its potency and low cost, drug dealers have been mixing fentanyl with other drugs, including heroin, methamphetamine, and cocaine, increasing the likelihood of a fatal interaction. Producing illicit fentanyl is not an exact science. Two milligrams of fentanyl can be lethal depending on a person's body size, tolerance, and past usage. DEA analysis has found counterfeit pills ranging from 0.02 to 5.1 milligrams, more than twice the lethal dose of fentanyl per tablet. 26% of tablets tested for fentanyl contained a lethal dose. Drug trafficking organizations typically distribute fentanyl by the kilogram. Please listen to this. One kilogram of fentanyl, which is approximately 2.2 pounds, has the potential to kill 500,000 people. 2.2 pounds of fentanyl has the potential to kill half of a million people. It is possible for someone to take a pill without knowing it contains fentanyl. Again, this is what we believe happened in Jaden's case. 
It is also possible to take a pill knowing it contains fentanyl, but with no way of knowing it contains a lethal dose. According to the CDC, synthetic opioids, like fentanyl, are the primary driver of the increase in overdose deaths in the United States, increasing 38.4% during the 12-month period ending in May of 2020. During this period, 37 of the 38 U.S. jurisdictions with available synthetic opioid data reported increases in synthetic opioid-involved overdose deaths. 18 of these jurisdictions reported increases greater than 50%. 10 Western states reported over a 98% increase in synthetic opioid-involved deaths. I just want to repeat that one one more time too. 10 Western states reported over a 98% increase in synthetic opioid-involved deaths. Unless a drug is prescribed by a licensed medical professional and dispensed by a legitimate pharmacy, you can't know if it's fake or legitimate. And without laboratory testing, there's no way to know the amount of fentanyl in an individual pill or how much may have been added to another drug. This is especially dangerous because of fentanyl's potency. If you or someone you know has a mental health condition or a substance use disorder, there are resources and services available to assist with screening, treatment, and recovery. The National Helpline is 1-800-662-HELP. That's 1-800-662-4357. You can also go to www. Dot findtreatment.gov. Here and now, I make this promise to Jaden. The light in your eyes, looking down from the blue skies, is going to save so many lives. Happy 17th birthday, my sweet, sweet Jaden. Please continue to let Jaden's light shine. Talk to your kids, hug your family, and trust in the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. 2 Corinthians 5.7